This episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. Shooting well and editing well and creating a great film, as much as we kind of like talk about it's not the most important thing, I do think for a long time in your career, it is the most important thing. B-roll is something that um, separates a lot of really high-end elite filmmakers from their peers. So many filmmakers rip on photographers, and I want to tell them, like, at least they know how to run a portrait session. Mm -hmm. You suck at running a portrait session. Like, that couple thinks you are so irritating. Too many of you guys are treating the gimbal like an A camera, and it's moving around, it's jittery, it's like, you know, it's not professional. It looks like crap. It looks like garbage. Yeah, you want to make more money? Get good content without bugging people. What kind of film am I trying to make here? Like, how am I uh, taking this and processing this information that's here on site? And what am I trying to output into my camera? Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. Back again for another great episode. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, the man, Jason McCutcheon. Jay, what's up, man? It's been a long time. It's like six episodes without you, Jared. Has it been a full six? Because you had Kyle on. Three or four. I don't know. You had I might have just made couple. up six, but it's at least three. Yeah. Um, did you miss me? Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> those guys are idiots. Yeah. They know nothing, obviously. Go um, back and listen to those episodes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we, we have a great episode um, today that we've kind of talked through um, a little bit beforehand, and we think it's uh, a banger. And it's honestly, it's not something we really talk about a lot. Except for every single day. Well, probably behind the scenes, but in terms of like being on the podcast as a a topic, um, it's not something that we really discuss. Um, As you know, what we do uh, is is clearly very visual and filming weddings. And usually what we talk about on the podcast is just how to make money and really run a business. But today we're going to talk about how to make better wedding films so that you can charge more money. Yeah. Shoot better, get paid more instead of shoot less, get paid more. Shoot better, get paid more. And I think, you know... I, that's what I was thinking in my head is like, we don't talk about it on the show, but we actually talk about it like all the time inside the studio. Every time we watch things, we're talking about how could, how can we cover this better? And, you know, we're lucky enough to have a steady stream of weddings to work on our craft. Um, and so for us, we, you know, hopefully we're learning on the front end. So you, if you're new, you don't have to, but I think we've learned a little bit and, one thing I know, and I think you would agree with me on this, Jared, is people who are getting paid 10K plus in wedding filmmaking, now correct me if I'm wrong here, are good at shooting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to hide. Um, I think at one point, maybe it was a little bit easier to hide because there just weren't that many great filmmakers out there. But nowadays, I mean, you turn every which way direction and you're just like blown away by the talent. So, yeah, um, you know, the world of luxury weddings, which is primarily dominated by planners, um, have taken notice. And the people that used to be established, I think, are getting less work because they just aren't as good anymore. Right. So maybe I think at the end of the day, though, everyone's good. You're not going to get as far. You're not going to get where you want to be. Uh, maybe it's not ten thousand dollars, but whatever you want to be in, in your market and you're with. You need to shoot well. Mm-hmm. You got to shoot well. And like shooting well is a big key to editing well and storytelling well. 
and ultimately more important, most importantly, branding and creating a product that people are attracted to. And I think, you know, we talk about sales a lot, right? Um, not just us, but I think across the wedding education land is sales and there's some shooting stuff, but I think a lot of it is primarily driven at sales and marketing. I think a lot of people kind of assume like filmmakers, well, they know how to do that, but what they don't know how to do is sales and marketing. And I watch enough film critiques to know, actually, many of them do not know how to shoot, you know, and I don't say that as a rip on people. I, I say like, if I was to talk to them about their business, the first thing I would tell them is you should probably shoot better. And so I guess the question I want to start with is what do we mean by shooting better? What is good shooting? Well, I think it's uh, probably a handful of things. I, I, this, this conversation is kind of hard because there's literally a million things that yeah, yeah. go into it. Um, but obviously, I think covering an event well mm, yeah. <laughs> from multiple camera angles, um, you know, on a wedding day, clearly you, you have a, a lot of different types of coverages you have to do. Um, your basic event coverage, your ceremony, toast, dances, having the camera angles to be able to tell the story right yes. and well, um, having your backups. Um, so like the enough gear to get the coverage you need, that's right. good shooting. Um, but then also shooting better can also mean shooting a better portrait session. It can mean um, shooting better surroundings. You know, there's a lot of different types of shooting that I think can elevate your film. Yeah, and um, I think better is where you get subjective, but in some ways, but I do think like there's a baseline standard of like, this is good and this is bad. And so hopefully in this episode, we're going to kind of like outline some ways that you can shoot better in some areas that we think some people, a lot of people struggle in, or maybe people who are doing really well, they've kind of paved the way to sh show you almost a template, like do this really well and it will work. Mm -hmm. Do this really well. This is good wedding shooting. Um, as wedding filmmakers and and I and by the way I wanted to kind of premise with this too which is I think a lot like I think you need enough gear right I think mm -hmm. having enough gear is more important than having the best gear when it comes to shooting well in wedding films but I don't think it's primarily about like there's like a baseline quality you need like you if you're shooting a camera that's super noisy lenses that are just cheap looking, you know, you might need to upgrade, but I don't think this is primarily about the quality of your gear. And and I know some people that are like, I always hear, see a guy on a forum who's like, I shoot weddings on red. And I'm, and then I go look at their work, right? Don't, don't <laughs> yes. you immediately yes. go look at their work. Yeah. Never once have I been like, dang. That is so much better than wow. what someone else shooting on a 5D Mark IV I've seen <laughs> shoot a wedding. So No, yeah. yeah. So it's not about just having the best gear or any yeah. of that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about coverage and, and, and technique and just thinking and being intentional with your camera so mm -hmm. that you can tell better stories, kind of elevate the story, maybe yeah. more appropriate yeah. stories. So anyway. Yeah. And 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 to prove your point, it's just like, look at the best filmmakers in our industries, the Ray Romans, the Sharones, the the people that have been doing it at a really high level for a really long time. Um, I think Sharon, does she still film on a 5D Mark IV? No, I think she just upgraded, but- Just um, upgraded. <laughs> but but a lot of these people <laughs> are not- DSLR. Yeah, a lot of them are not shooting. So They don't just go with the trends. They're not right. always upgrading their gear. So it's it's not, you know, you're not working with like a shitty camera, but at the same time, you're not working with a red, right? You know, you're not working with, you know, I think a lot of people tend to think like, oh, if I just had that piece of gear, it would elevate my films. And I think this discussion, what we hope to talk about today a little bit is like, 
what are the the um uh the the things that are outside of just gear that really make a film feel intentional and really elevate you know a film that are outside of just the equipment that you bring yeah, yeah. so so why don't you kick us up what what is the first thing that i think you can that we're going to kind of talk about in terms of shooting better yeah. so you can get paid more and 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 maybe like let's kind of set it up with by getting paid more obviously a lot of you guys we're looking at like ten thousand dollar filmmakers to me that's like i don't know if it's a holy grail i would say but it's where a lot of people really strive to be that's like mm. the beginning of like a super high-end market that might not be what's better for you you might be like a two thousand dollar filmmaker you're trying to get to that four thousand mm. dollar place so right, right. keep in mind like you still need to shoot well though so but but why, when we say get paid more, it's like, okay, whatever you're trying, you're striving for, I think shooting better is a part of it. Yeah, I think the first thing, the first point that we want to make is understanding the features of the wedding film that you're trying to make and what was sold, right? Yes. Um, there's a lot of different types of wedding filmmakers out there. There's a lot of different types of wedding films out there, a lot of styles. Different types of weddings. Um, right, right. And so, um, you know, and when we talk about this, we talk about maybe like, a ballroom wedding and that can range anywhere from you know the four seasons to the holiday inn <laughs> those are all kind of ballroom weddings right um you have your elopement films which are you know on the side of yosemite you have your resort weddings which are usually in you know resorty type of areas um that are a little bit different than ballroom but have maybe some yeah Maybe they have some ballroom elements, but it's also very different because it's, you know, a destination wedding. Yeah, and those are um, just locations. I mean, there's even, like, different storytelling methods, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're doing lots of audio and or, like, doing, you know, I've, <clears throat> lots of just audio that's, like, in the speeches. But what if you're doing lots of audio that's basically happening during first looks mm -hmm. and during, like, there's a lot of ways you can tell these stories. Yep. And so you got to kind of know what it is you're trying to communicate. And also, you know, here, this is a thing that I always think is interesting is like a lot of wedding filmmakers, you might be one of two places. One is like, you're just getting the basics as a filmmaker. And, and at that point, I, I kind of don't think you should worry so much about this exactly. Like if, if you're showing up on the day and you're still struggling to white balance your camera, regularly and consistently and you're struggling to match your cameras and just like you're at that stage in mm -hmm. development i kind of think like just shoot just nail those basics right 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 like real always start with the basics and that, that, that's really like we're kind of assuming you know the basics yeah. but always start with the basics if you know the basics though and you're at the place where you have already kind of like you're you you just without without thinking or adjusting your exposures and white balances and you really know your camera well and know what it can do i think then you start looking at what did i like what did i sell this person beyond just 6 minute highlight film right what's the narrative structure what is the brand all yep. that stuff i i think you know and and even talking to that person who's charging you know a thousand two thousand dollars like you know what you're going to get on your wedding day most likely Think about the elements that are naturally going to be created, right? Mm -hmm. You're probably going to have some toast. You're probably going to have some moments in the ceremony. Um, you know, maybe there's not really a lot outside of that. Maybe they want to do like um, a private vow reading. Like, that's cool. Like, know what you're getting. Know yes. what your, your assets are that you're going to be capturing 
So then you can take it in your head and say like, okay, this is the type of wedding film that I can make just based on the assets that I get. That's a mistake that I think we made early on was like, you know what would be great is if we took them on a date beforehand. And then we did all these things. And then we we're trying to push this narrative that just really wasn't there. Well, the couples it didn't want to buy it. We didn't have the opportunity to make that film. Yeah, They didn't so, react well to it. They were like, what are we doing again? You know. Um, and so I, I totally agree with you and just like nailing. That's what I think what you mean. Maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like nailing your basics, knowing like, hey, I can create this type of wedding film based on just the assets that are created. Maybe it's a basic wedding film. But that's okay. Like, if you nail a basic wedding film, I mean, one of our yeah, companies so, has made a whole career the last 13 years and makes seven figures a year doing that type of wedding film. So, so by basic film, we don't mean bad. We mean, like, chronologically driven Yes. in the edit. Um, you're not creating any moments, minus maybe shooting details. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're just shooting what's in front of you for the most part all day, and you're knowing... I'm going to basically tell a story that's this person got ready, then they got married, then they did some portraits, then there was a party. You know, that makes it, I always tell people it's like, they're just weddings. They're all the same. And they're like, oh, no, my couples are all special and unique. If that's the case, how come I could show up to weddings with zero conversations with the couples and shoot just as good as you? Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because they're all the same. Mm -hmm. And when you know that, you can make a certain type of wedding film I, without even thinking. That, that discussion is like, it's like yes and no, but like, I agree with what you're saying. The, the couple might be different, of course. Like, not everyone are robots. But the assets you're going to get from the, the wedding. The assets that you get from the wedding are, are very much the same. Like, people are going to give toasts, right? <laughs> they're going to get married. <laughs> They're going to have They're going to walk maybe. down the aisle. Uh, There's going to be some sort of family portrait session, some yes. sort of couple's portrait session. Yep. There's going to be tables you have to take pictures of. A lot of, of. There's going to be things. dresses you have to take pictures of. Like, you don't have, like, and then they're going to go on a jet ski, and I have to find a way to accommodate for an action camera mm -hmm. and not get it wet. Like, you don't have to think about, like, how am I going to solve this? Like when you do commercial shooting, you have to be thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to get a shot of this person swimming laps? Yeah. How am I going to get that shot? Yep. Oh, we got to rig something in the roof. You don't have to do that when you're shooting weddings. Mm -hmm. It's not the expectation. So I think identifying what are the core elements of a wedding film, but then I think the secondary level would be what are the, what are the ways that I like to tell stories? Yes. That might be personal, that, like, okay, do I cover this on gimbal? Do I cover this handheld? Is a monopod important to me? Do I like tripods? Like, do I need a lav mic on the groom all day? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's when you start getting into kind of what you're saying, which is what are the assets I'm going to have on the day? Mm -hmm. Like, where am I going to be? What is the schedule going to be? What type of couple are they? And then what am I good at? Mm -hmm. You know, so what's good about the day and what am I good at shooting? Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I think is the core question. And a lot of people can't really – I think this is the biggest thing I see when I watch a, a fish-out-of-water kind of edit, like where you know that they watch Sculpting with Time and then, like, they literally edit exactly like Sculpting with Time and you're just like, this just feels weird in this barn. <laughs> well, it's funny because even Sculpting with Time's videos are all different. Yeah, <laughs> so they it's don't like, do that. They don't just go – 
this is our edit. This is our, our style. And it's the same kind of cut every time. It's like actually a pretty different cut every single time. Their, their concept is different. Well, they're listeners. Yeah. yeah. They're showing up, like you were saying, like, what am I shooting? What mm -hmm. am I trying to make today? And that, like, what does the couple let me make? Right. What does the day right. let me make? You're yeah. If you're doing barn weddings, and this is, I think, where people struggle. Like, I think the best way to shoot a barn wedding is to acknowledge that it's a barn wedding. Mm -hmm. The best way to shoot at, like, for us, Ocean Edge, mm -hmm. right? If I take Ocean Edge, which is a Cape Cod resort in our area, I wouldn't call it, like, super high end. It's, it's fine. Would you call it overpriced? <laughs> I don't know. It seems overpriced. <laughs> it seems all, overpriced. So. All I know is that they'll have a wedding on the lawn while the couple's waiting inside watching the wedding. A, a different person's wedding. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes. yes. So it's, that's, a, it's a wedding factory. It's a wedding factory that yes. is, I think, considered more high end. Mm -hmm. and, and so it is what it is. Like you'll be on the beach, you'll be shooting, and there'll be someone in the background like sitting on a beach chair. Like it's, some, some old guy in a Speedo. Yes. Yeah. Like that's the type of wedding you're shooting. Yeah. Right. If I try to take that thing and go like this epic song that takes itself way too seriously. Mm -hmm. And then there's this like little kid walking in the background mm -hmm. and like people in their bathing suits, it's going to be weird. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I don't try to make that film when we shoot ocean edge yeah. and I tell our team like, Hey, we're not making that film. We're yeah. making a different film. We're making a personal film. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's really critically important. You know, I I've noticed that even in our, Huxley work. Um, if you don't know, Jason and I uh, have a separate kind of a luxury brand company um, that people can hire the two of us personally. Um, and we've kind of tr fell into that trap a little bit of like trying to create like, okay, now that people are, we're charging people a lot more money, we need to make everything feel like this super luxury product. And actually most of the work that we've done recently is like Aspen, Colorado, that's not Paris, France. <laughs> like we're trying to cram a, you know, square peg into a round hole a little bit. And the most success I think we've seen is like, Hey, this is what it is. Let's just make it a really good version. Well, of we don't that. end up editing what we want to, what we want to make is one thing. And then we end up getting the film in the edit bay. And I don't think we've screwed up on the shooting side really so yeah. far, but we could have, mm -hmm. but I think like, that's the thing we're like, well, this is who these people are. This is what we're doing. We have to cover it this way. Yep. Right. And, and I think a lot of wedding filmmakers, they don't have a strong vision. And, and, and I think mm. we're not talking about developing a vision, I guess. Like that might be a, a different podcast. Yeah. It's like, what do you want to make? But I would say just in a general sense, shoot the wedding that's there, not the wedding that you imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's fair to maybe try to stretch yourself and stretch the couple a little bit. But trying to make something that is just like, like I said, square peg, round hole, like I've seen that happen over and over and over again. Like this person's trying to make this wedding film, but the assets they, ha they have is just entirely different. Well, thing. and you got to be ready to pivot on the fly too, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you were like planning on having all these beautiful table details and then you don't get them mm -hmm. or you're planning on having this great portrait session and then you don't get it, mm -hmm. you got to figure out a way to rescue that film mm -hmm. just through shooting, mm -hmm. you know, like you got to shoot more B-roll or more of this or yep. more of that. Cause, and that starts with just a strong vision of, of what you're trying to make and what you could make. And yep. I, I don't know like how to teach someone that without putting them in the experience. I mean, that's all, that's all it is though. But I, I think having the experience is, is really important, but also what are you taking out of the experience and taking it into your next experience? So here's right? my question then. Say somebody is shooting mm -hmm. 
um, not even Ocean Edge, right? Like just basic country club weddings, maybe even maybe even like local hotel weddings. Sure. You know, stuff where the other vent there's not nice decor because there's no planner. The DJ is bringing in the world's ugliest lights. Maybe the couple isn't super crazy, like like dressed up and beautiful all the time. And 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 they're just like, listen, I'm doing the best I can with what I got here. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you elevate something that isn't inherently elevated? Yeah, uh, I do think I I just finished editing a photo wedding and i was just like there wasn't really much here <laughs> that i enjoyed but i what are the things that i know this couple will really enjoy i think there's always something there like maybe not maybe they're like we don't care about the wedding film at all uh, i think that's going to be pretty rare sometimes we've encountered some people like that um but i think um do they care about their family do they care about their friends do they want it to feel something I always ask people when I'm on the phone with them on a consultation is just like, how do you imagine the day playing out? Is it something that's going to be a rager of a party or are there sentimental things in the day that oh, matter to you? Me and my friends, we're going to be crazy on the dance Every single floor. person. You've yeah. never seen anything like us. Oh my gosh. It's going to be, I, I promise you, our friends are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. I've never seen dancing like this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, and, and this is a big thing is like, I really believe this on a, in a wedding film, you're not necessarily capturing a person in as far as like who they are, you're capturing the most idealized version of how that person sees themselves. Right. So what is that? Well, is that, yeah. Are they a party animal? And do, does that matter to them? Are they like, those are the days when I was in college. We had freedom. It was fun. I want to shoot that in that person and make that person feel like they're that person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, first of all, there is dud people in dud weddings. Yeah. So there are weddings that are just not going to be that good. Yeah. So, you know, with that in mind, most weddings, I think, if you realize that like, okay, this beautiful decor that or 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 Tuscany, beautiful location, or this beautiful person who is a narcissist who spends all their time on their body. Whatever it is, that is important to them. Mm -hmm. Those are just person. Those are just traits of that person. Mm -hmm. And so when you show the beautiful decor, you're showing their trait. Mm -hmm. You're showing something that's important to them. That's why I think that's actually really important to put in the film, and it's not just planner porn. It's actually. Like, for instance, I was talking to a groom the other day, and he talked about all this decor that his uh, mother-in-law is buying for them. And he said, I really want that in the film because I want to be able to tell people, I want to be able to show my kids how great their grandma was. Yeah. So, like, all that stuff is a part of them. And so, imagine they don't have that stuff, the stuff that we traditionally associate with good shooting. What are the traits about that person that you can draw out? Everyone has a trait that's important to them, mm -hmm. that makes them unique, that that you can feature in the filming. And really the editing is where you have to be thinking. You have to be editing while you're shooting. You have to be saying like, okay, we shot a wedding a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the couple was, they weren't the most luxurious couple. They, you did photo, I did video. 
they were really, really, really sweet though. Mm-hmm. And I could tell, like when the when I walk in the house, the dad is like, "You guys want some party pizza? You guys want spinach pie?" Like I could tell pretty quickly, like, okay, this isn't gonna be this type of wedding. But what I have to grab onto is these people connecting with each other and having a really nice time and laughing and having fun. So I have to make a film, throw everything I thought I had a, um, out the window. Mm-hmm. I have to make a film that highlights these people's connection with their family. So I immediately have to start shooting them talking to each other. Yeah. I immediately have to spend more time in the family portrait session. I have to make sure I get a lot of this bride laughing and smiling. So I have to shoot in between. Mm-hmm. Like so, as I'm as the second I meet the couple and start see how they're interacting, I shot a wedding a couple weeks before that. Second I meet the bride, she will not speak to me. She, every time she's not on camera, she's frowning. Yeah, and I immediately go, okay, this is a wedding where I have to tell a fake story. Mm-hmm. Like I have to shoot differently. I have to shoot not the in between moments. I have to get posed moments. I have to shoot a lot of table details. These people are those type of people. Mm-hmm. They're not like every time you meet someone, you just have, you're not looking for like, what is the fine detail? Like, what is the most extravagant thing? It's like, what makes them special and unique and how do they want to be perceived? Yeah. And yep. that's what you're shooting. How do they want to be perceived? And then, you know, the other thing that um, I think is important that um, kind of going back to the, the part about like, okay, I'm showing up. I don't have to make everything look super pretty, but the connection between people, um, it's the important thing here. Oftentimes when you shift to just filming that, they're not going to be in the best light. They're not like the mm-hmm. things that we care about. It's going to be much different. And yes. we just like, usually like I find myself having to photograph things like so how many times are you at a wedding Jay where, where they're like, make sure you capture all my sorority boys doing our chant. And you're like, Ugh, okay, your dumb chant. Or, or that chants are kind of fun, actually. I don't um, mind chants, but some song like, oh, we always listen to the Backstreet Boys when we were in college. So we're going to listen to the Backstreet Boys. Except they're we're not. Gonna they're all going to talk the whole time. And, it was and gonna be... you're just like something that you and I will and, and anyone listen to this will never, ever care about whatsoever. It's just you're not ironic. It's not interesting. It's the dumbest thing in the world to me. But that's important to them. And like being empathetic and like listening to like that's a big part of it. Well, you're getting listening. into like at that point you're getting into like what are the assets that I need for this film mm-hmm. that they're going to a be happy about yeah. and not complain, but it will make the film better. Yeah. They do yeah. make the film better in like being able to co- communicate couples values mm-hmm. visually and obviously with audio and editing. But you got to capture it first, mm-hmm. right? And you got to shoot it well. So yeah. like it's something as simple as like, oh, we're going to be doing this group thing. And then you show up with an 85 mil and you can only see the bride's face. Mm-hmm. You shot that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing a, you got to shoot, you got to make a lot of choices on the day to capture it correctly so that you can tell the story and actually maximize the asset. There's, um, there's two different, I always tell people there's two different styles of shooting that I see. Um, and maybe the terminology is different for every person, but, um, you know, people that document, and then people that do more like narrative filmmaking, right? And I think sometimes it can slide a little bit depending on the film, right? Yeah, like somebody might I, say like documentary versus cinematic. Cinematic, but Whatever it is. I don't know. I posed. think it's all cinematic. I, I think nar- narrative filmmaking to me is like post, right? Right. So like the bride is going to be sitting down. I've had her per- put in the perfect lighting. The makeup artist is doing her work. 
I might do the slow push in to get her. I might make sure all the other bridesmaids are far away. There's no water bottles in the shot. See, I always call and that editorial. Editorial, yeah, sure. But it doesn't matter. That's what I'm we, saying. The 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 uh, terminology might be different, but all that is that style of mm -hmm. filmmaking. And then the documentarians, like some filmmakers, are like, I'm not even gonna move the ugly water bottles. I'm gonna shoot around it, maybe or whatever. Um, or just, oh, I'm gonna highlight the ugly water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, uh, no, don't highlight the ugly water bottles. I would say um, that's a mistake. Um, but I would say those are two, two different styles and, and you as a filmmaker, that's something you have to decide like pretty early on. Like what direction do I gravitate towards? Or what am I going to shoot one way and what am I going to shoot another way? Yes. I tend to like to do certain things very document documentary style mm -hmm. like and very raw. Yeah. Like that family. Like you're not going to film them narrative or editorial style. Like, Dad, hang on. <laughs> While you're pressing your, you know, coat or whatever, stay there and just look and like, I'm going to do a shot with you. I'm not going to tell the dad of the bride to do a shot like that. But Probably even like, ever. okay, you say you do a gimbal push of the room. Right. To me, that's more of a cinematic editorial style shot. Mm -hmm. I like the whiplash of like really connected mm -hmm. and then really polished. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I like to do as a filmmaker. Yeah. Like have a lot of details that are really polished mixed with people that are really authentic mm -hmm. so you never feel like disconnected i know that about myself mm -hmm. i know that's what i like you have to know what you like yep you have to know that and i think that's like the first step to i think shooting better is knowing what you're trying to shoot right and what's available there to that is actually an asset to work with it's like cooking yep it's like i know what ingredients i have and so i know what i can make for dinner tonight mm -hmm. and i cannot make a steak i don't have a steak yep not in my house i can't make steak tonight Yep. You know, it's like, it is what it is. And I think a lot of people, they're trying to make steak and it's like, you don't got steak, you got ground beef, man, make meatballs. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a lot of people's wedding films. You watch it. It's one of the first things where they're not good at shooting what they have. They're mm -hmm. trying to shoot. They're, they're definitely not good at shooting what they don't have. Mm -hmm. but they're certainly not good at even, I want to be like, focus. Yeah. What's in front of you, shoot that as best as you can. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't want to overwhelm people, especially people that are kind of, for starting out, these are a lot of questions you have to ask yourself early on is like, what kind of film am I trying to make here? Like, mm -hmm. how am I uh, taking this and processing this information that's here on site? And what am I trying to output into my camera? Like that, these are a lot of hard decisions that really do come from experience. But I think having a general thought beforehand is pretty important. You got to know forms the decision that you're going to make. And you got to know when it's not going to work too. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. It's like, this was my plan. Oh shoot, this right. isn't gonna work. Like, if you don't know what you were trying to do to begin with, right. you're gonna create a disaster. Yep. Um. So the the next topic that I um thought we could bring up and and talk about a little bit was uh was B roll in a wedding film. I think B roll is something that um separates a lot of really high end elite filmmakers from their peers, right? And we edit a lot of wedding films for really <laughs> high end elite filmmakers. Um, and that's something that you've definitely noticed, right? I think, you know, defining B-roll is important. Sure. You know, in wedding filmmaking, like, B-roll is like establishing shots and detail shots. In some ways, I guess those would be A-roll, right? Because they're essential and important. But, you know, I think most people would say, oh, that's B-roll. Like, B-roll, maybe by that we might mean establishing shots, like I said, details. Um, just things that allow you to give people a sense of place or maybe are outside of time mm -hmm. 
you know, that I'll, I'll let you fill in. And I think I have noticed that, um, high end filmmaking is a lot of times about giving yourself choices mm. in the edit. Um, one of the number one things I see internally with our own team, when I go and shoot a wedding versus one of our new people is they have usually like 40% less footage than I do. Or the way that they use their time to get footage is way less than I do. Mm -hmm. Like we could have a two hour block and they'll come back with like 40 gigs and I'll come back with 120 gigs because I'm like, all oh, the good stuff was happening. I was just shooting. There's all this good stuff. And I think having enough content to cover up the seams of a wedding film and like, let's be honest, wedding days are crazy and you don't have a lot of control over a lot of stuff. And we've all had that film where you're editing it. And like, there's a few good moments, but like you get the couple in, they're not that good in the portrait session or they're like, we want it five minutes. You don't know that till it's already happened. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I always try to remind people. I'm a, I'm pretty decent at saying I'm working with this photographer and I'm working with this couple, this portrait session later in the day will suck. Mm -hmm. I need to shoot a lot more of X, Y, and Z. Cause I have experience, but I, it's one of the biggest things I notice with people is like, I get to their portrait session and then they realize it sucked. And then they realize that they can't go back in time and actually shoot the B roll that they should have been shooting to cover up the fact that the portrait session sucked. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and like the films just feel empty. You have like 45 second shots of someone giving a toast because you have nothing to cover it up. You have a, when I when we're when we're doing film critiques and I'm like, hey, that show you have a lot of shots in there that weren't good because I have a rule like no bad shots. Like that shot's bad. Don't put it in the film. Like it's bad. It's a bad shot. There's a bunch of crap in the background. There's a bunch of trash cans and just unflattering angles. And then they always end up saying something like, well, I was just kind of running out of footage. Mm -hmm. And it's like you should have shot more. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could say shoot more B-roll. I think the bigger thing I would say is shoot more mm -hmm. shoot a lot Period. like yeah. i think in general a lot of people think it's like more sophisticated to barely shoot mm -hmm. and i'm like don't be cute about it stop being precious about it you have plenty of if you don't have enough cards to shoot the wedding that you need go spend 400 dollars and buy a bunch more cards but like shoot a lot of content and give yourself options yeah 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 um i think there's a few things here like you're kind of saying like B-roll covers a multitude of sins, right? Like the more you get, the more you can kind of fill it. Like if you're like, hey, I'm doing a five to six minute film and you're like, hey, I really only got five minutes here. I need some filler. Like it, it does kind of make it feel a little bit more full when you have a better B-roll kind of package to throw in there. Um, it's the easiest way to elevate a meh day that didn't sure. go super well. And, sure. it, and it's the thing that will separate you in the market is... If you, if people are like, wow, my wedding was awesome. Yeah. The, the other thing, um, I was going to say, well, two, two other things, um, with B roll is, um, it does give you a sense of place, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of the, uh, best films that I've seen in the last, you know, three, four five years. I think about that. Uh, I think about, I always think about when I think about good B roll in a wedding film, think about that 31 film, uh, 31 films, um, one of in, their in, many in 31 films, Jackson hole video, Jackson hole, the one with the horses. horses. Oh, yeah the light coming over the hill. I don't remember anything about the wedding. <laughs> I just remember that awesome I B roll. I literally can't remember the couple at all. Right. But well, I was being blown away. And, and you know, 
they watched a couple watches that one film, Jackson Hole, horses, the whole thing. And the next Jackson Hole couple goes, oh, my God, I need that. I need those horses. I need those freaking horses. This is that's just based on the B-roll. It's not based on the stupid wedding. It's just based on the freaking B-roll. So, like, B-roll covers a multitude of sins. It helps you stand out a lot more if you're good at shooting B-roll. Well, and if you want to be high-end and luxury, yeah. your B-roll is going to have much more in common with your next couple than the couple. Sure. So, yeah. like, you are, like, if someone gets married in a spectacular place or has spectacular details or whatever it is, your way of communicating that, I think, is much more in line with what the next couple is going to get than how you shoot the couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to have because it's it's like that couple might have a hard time seeing themselves in the couple in your film, but they will see themselves in your B-roll. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the last point I was going to make in terms of B-roll is um, you can always go and shoot B-roll. Like you mentioned it at the very beginning, like B-roll lives outside of time. Like you don't even have to shoot B-roll on the wedding day itself. And you could probably get away with that as long as your weather is similar. Um, you know, yeah, I think about a downtown Boston wedding. I could go the next day. I could go the day before. I mean, you, you could even buy it, I guess. You could buy it potentially to, to elevate your film. Like, hey, I just want to show more of the city and give people a feel of like being in an urban center that is Boston. Um, you could do a lot of things there that just, um, you know, is outside of the wedding day. Um, I think people are overwhelmed on a wedding day, especially when you're first starting. Like, I have to shoot this. I have to shoot this. Boston's this big city. How am I supposed to go shoot a B-roll package that could take four hours to do? Um, and then, you know, you don't have to charge people for shooting a better film. In well, this regard. is the number one reason why you should. This kills people's films is when people charge photography style pricing on their package construction and they do like six hours eight hours right ten hours it's like don't freaking do that that is the worst idea if you're yeah. listening to as this as a filmmaker as a filmmaker that will ruin your film i'm yep. not saying you don't have a limit you need to have a top end limit yep maybe eight hour package ten hour package I, maybe you do it that way i personally don't yeah because first of all i'm not gonna do anything else with my day so what do i care yeah all of our packages are a range they're they're a range anywhere from six to ten hours of coverage well, no, specifically what Jared means is our packages literally say six to 10 hours. We don't have a six hour package and a 10 hour yes. package. Yeah. We literally tell them when the story's done. Right. That's how we shoot. Like, and so we are. And I might, and like exactly what I'm saying. If I was like, hey, I didn't get enough footage B roll and it was really cool, or there's supposed to be this great weather the next day, maybe I go back and do shooting the next day, like for a few hours. And then I bring my wife and kid down and we get breakfast and. Like, th that's something I can do. But I'm also going to go an hour early and just shoot B-roll. Sure. Like, sure. that's the thing is, like, I don't, I'm not like, the planner said come at one, and then I'm leaving at nine. Yeah. Yay. Eight-hour right. day. It's like, you, and then you look at the schedule, you're like, when am I going to shoot B-roll? Right. Like, that, this is the thing that you, this is the definition of tripping over um, quarters to pick up pennies, mm -hmm. which is like, you, if you set up a package that helps you make worse films, mm -hmm. you should be making your best possible film every time you go out. Mm -hmm. You should not charge people more for you to get better. Right. You right. should charge them more for just longer films or more work or yep. more coverage or more deliverables, but you should shoot a freaking dope film every time you go out. Right. And, and that means like give yourself time to shoot the B-roll. Right. Don't charge someone for like good film. 
Like, because that's only hurting you. Right. Because the next time you put your portfolio out, like, I'm trying to have a hard time getting good films shot because no one will pay for my top package. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot. Why are you structuring it that way? Yeah. Structure it in such a way, like maybe you give them like, oh, I'll give you an Instagram teaser or I'll give you your speeches or I'll give you this, but I'm not going to deny myself that sweet, sweet B-roll mm-hmm. that's going to actually make my film sick because it's like, okay, you might not be willing to pay for this film, but if I shoot good enough, someone else will and I can elevate and I can make more money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the next topic that we had talked about um, was having good presence, right? Yeah. Uh, on the wedding day. How does having good presence uh, force you to become a better filmmaker? I think it's like, how does a good bedside manner help a doctor to be a better doctor, right? Totally. Totally. I think it's a good comparison. If you are weird, <laughs> there's make, a lot of wedding filmmakers out there who people, qualify as that. <laughs> well, not all of them make people uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. If not all of them, but there are. But if you are plenty. weird and make people uncomfortable, not weird and inspiring, yeah. but weird and make people uncomfortable. If you don't know how to talk to people, if when you're around people and you're shooting them, mm-hmm. they're thinking, Wow, I hope this person leaves soon. I don't think that's most people, but like that's an extreme example, mm-hmm. right? Your footage will suck. And so whatever range you find yourself on the ability to connect with your couples and the vendors around you, and I think your presence on the day is how you dress. Mm-hmm. It's how close you stand to people. It's the volume you speak at. It's when you choose to talk and when you don't choose to talk. And I don't know that it's, I think there's probably some definitive bad things you can do. But I also think like there's things that you do that maybe are more about you, like how to get the best out of you, how to get the best out of the type of film you make. You know, when I shoot with certain photographers, I know um, I don't have to do anything. And like if I bring certain things to the table, it's going to overwhelm the couple, Mm -hmm. you know. And so like I'm calibrating my presence based on who I'm shooting with. And some photographers – they're really low key and they're everything. So, oh, wow, guys, so great. And I know like the couple wanted to hire that. So I just shut up. Yeah. Right. I try to match their energy, you know, and, and I know like there is a moment though, when I'm shooting with certain people that I'm like, I have to, I have to step in mm-hmm. too, where it's like, I have to say, Hey, do you mind if I do this? And I have to lift the energy a little, mm-hmm. but I think it's like you have to know that your like how you're conducting yourself is affecting your footage. Yeah, like even something as simple as this: if you're talking the whole time and you're saying like, "Oh, I want to shoot people interacting," and they're interacting with you, mm-hmm. you're killing your footage. <laughs> Shut up. Totally. So, and they're looking at your camera. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's weird. <laughs> I, I would say the other thing is a lot of people trying to shoot more of that editorial style like if you don't have that trust with a couple like it's not going to look the way you want it to look you're going to be asking they're going to look uncomfortable um especially on video yeah if you're asking them to do a lot of weird things like they're not going to trust that you know what you're doing if they've made you if you've made them feel weird all day like wow why is he asking us to do all this stuff this is annoying um then it's going to be really hard for you to get the shots that you want um and you got to understand too like I think a lot of filmmakers, especially early on um, in their career, they kind of expect, you know, brides to just be models and be professionals. And just like they don't understand the fact that, no, this is like just 
a living human being who's not used to being on camera, like they're not going to feel comfortable with you doing all this stuff. And so when, when you do a lot of asks, the, the, you're going to slowly realize like, Hey, this person's feeling more and more and more uncomfortable and more and more and more annoyed with me. And obviously you're not going to get good footage if that's the case. Well, even something is like as simple as like, I will, I, I have two or three poses I ask for everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and they're based on the fact that I know how to communicate what I want mm -hmm. in a way that I can say it really fast and the couple doesn't feel dumb doing it. There are things I would like a couple to do, and I'm just like, I don't know how to ask for that. Mm -hmm. So I don't ask because I don't want the couple to be uncomfortable. But even when I ask them to do this simple little thing, something as simple as like how I react to what they do, like, wow, yeah. that's exactly right. That's amazing looking. Like you being supportive to the person and like – a lot of filmmakers, photographers do this. Mm -hmm. So many filmmakers rip on photographers and I want to tell them like, at least they know how to run a portrait session. Mm -hmm. You suck at running a portrait session. Like that couple thinks you are so irritating and you're making them so uncomfortable. Maybe you should take notes. Like they're literally like doing something that you can't do. So like I, I always am looking at photographers and trying to take notes. How are they getting couples to relax? How are they getting to pose? Like, and I do also make notes when a couple's, when a photographer's reacting really positively to stuff that I hate. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm like, I don't think that looks good. Hmm. I think that looks like really bad. Yeah. Like it looks weird. Like this is uncomfortable. Those are times I need to be a little more present on the day. Cause I'm like, all right, this is going to look like crap. But that being said, I also know I can't push it too hard. Mm -hmm. Like that couple want, like they already did an engagement with that session with that person. They have an expectation of what it means to get their portraits taken. Yep. yep. And it's not me. Yep. It's that photographer. Sometimes um, you got to think about it. Like what does someone's trust tank look like mm -hmm. too? Like a lot of times I'll work up my personality throughout the day. Not really ask a lot, mm -hmm. like give, just help, help, help make jokes, make people feel comfortable all day. So then when I really want to do something that I'm like, this is going to make them feel uncomfortable, at least my trust tank is full and I can be like, hey, I'm going to ask you guys to do something that might make you feel a little uncomfortable, but I promise it looks awesome. I want you guys to do this. Both look at my camera. I'm going to do a move. And then, you know, that's it. Then I do it really quick and I'm like, oh my God, that was amazing, guys. That's all. I, that's all. I got, I got it in one take. Great. And then we can go to the cocktail hour. You know, um, that, that's how I'm going to spend that currency. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so just. Yeah. It's like, my dad always says, put change in your pocket yeah. with people. Other times people are just like, no, this is us. Like you can have your way <laughs> with us. Like do whatever you want. Like we are going to feel comfortable. And like, if that's the case, I'm going to hop in a lot more. Yeah. So just read the freaking room. A uh, the other thing I think is like your presence with the under other vendors really matters. Mm -hmm. Like if there is even uh, like if there is tension with that person's photographer, you cannot allow that to be the case mm -hmm. because it will bleed into your presence. Totally. Like they will ice you out. They, the photographer won't like it. The couples, they might not even see it or, or hear it, but it's going to affect the dynamic. So you have to do everything in your power. And, and we're talking about shooting better, right? So here I saying, this isn't about sales. This is about the images you capture. Your presence will dictate how good your images are. They will, yep. especially portraits, but really kind of everything, right? 
like if they if that plant if you piss off everyone um good luck shooting good toasts um it's gonna affect your ceremony every single thing you do in that day so like something as simple as like how you communicate to the photographer how you want to cover the ceremony that's presence like hey i'm gonna be doing this i'm gonna be doing that like a lot of times most of the time people are complaining about their shots getting blocked i'm always like if you were a more considerate person you wouldn't have that shot getting blocked all the time. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this. Doesn't happen to me. I don't ever get my shots blocked. <laughs> like ever. Sometimes a person will walk in front of a toast. Yeah. Because that's kind of a tough environment for everyone. Mm -hmm. Chables everywhere. And, you know, there's only so many good angles. And I'm giving them such good light. Of course they want my angle. Yeah. So. <laughs> Photographers do like the 60Xs, man. Yes, they do. but but in general, like I don't have these I don't have these major issues. Some of it is because I don't Same. care about them walking in front of my wide shot a few times. Yeah. But some of it is because of how I communicate with the plant with the photographer, hmm. how my presence is, even when I'm not talking, where I'm just actually planning on being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I know where this is what they need, and I don't want them in my shot either. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like how you handle the day does affect your shooting. Even if it doesn't seem like it's directly correlatable, it is. Yep. Uh, item number four that we talked about was just shooting better events. So ceremony. Like, like your event coverage in your general. Your event coverage. Ceremony, toast, dances, cake cutting, bridal uh, bouquet toss. Kind of what we talked about earlier, which is like the, the assets, but like these are like the boring things that right. we all take for granted. Well, and that's the problem with with coverage here is a lot of people are just like super complacent when it comes to this kind of coverage. And this is actually something that we've taken, I think, to another level this year in terms of like not only how are we shooting these, but also the other element is like how are we lighting these events too? Um, that's a big component. And a lot of people are super complacent. Like we get a lot of footage from plenty of other filmmakers again because uh, we do our own outsourcing um and you just realize even the really high-end people sometimes have bad coverage of these events right? like one camera rolling and right like, you know ray roman said something in chat the other day during the live stream he said you need to think about your toast as one of the most important elements that you capture on camera referring to a person who shot a bunch of toasts and dances like with a bunch of crap in the background and like shooting the wrong direction and just very unflattering angles and just really sloppy kind of shooting. And he was like, this is the gold. Like if you shoot a toast and they say something great and it also looks great, like that's definitively a role. Yes. Like you need those moments to look good. And the tricky part is you are doing a live event mm -hmm. with very limited setup time. So you do need to have like a scheme that you're operating off of. Like this is how I shoot X, Y, and Z and try to do it the same way every time, in my opinion, um, instead of always spending an hour setting up. I think it's not practical, right? But that being said, you need to care how it looks and you need to care how much coverage you have. You need to make sure you have cutaways. You need to shoot this in a thorough way because you need this stuff as it's like that is your story, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Um, you know, I, I think most of us are going to be using toasts in our wedding film. Uh, the majority. Some people are more music video I style. I think almost anyone cool. would use a good toast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so doing a good job. And, and 
what do I mean by a good job? Like, what are, what are some elements I, I think of good shooting something um, like a good toast or a good ceremony that that you would say? What are some elements there that are pretty important? Um, honestly, the thing I see the most is people aren't rolling early enough. <laughs> sure, <laughs> they're like doing pre-roll. Like it's like the person's like, "Hey guys, thank you so much," <laughs> and then they start like like, which is indicative of like someone scrambling. Yeah, right. Not Don't be ready. scrambling. Sure. Like when something's about to start, you should be ahead of that. Mm-hmm. That means knowing your schedule. That means communicating with the people. That means being present. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go to the bathroom. Like, if you look and it goes like, okay, they're gonna do. F- this is a classic conundrum. First dance, welcome toast. Then we're gonna do. The planner goes. Then you're gonna do serving salads, and somewhere in the salads, we're gonna do the toast. Oh, it says 15 minutes. They're not going to wait 15 minutes. I tell my guys all the time. I'm like, I don't care what this says. Mm-hmm. The second everyone has a salad, yeah, they are going to do a toast. Yep. And they might tell you they're going to tell you, and they might not tell you. Mm-hmm. There's so many moving parts here. Just stay by your camera, please. Stay by your camera or push play five minutes before then. Like, like record, you mean? Yeah. Don't oh, yeah, push, yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. push don't play. If you push play, that would actually hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> push, push record. <laughs> Yeah, and and just doing that pre-roll because I agree. Um, you know, you don't want to be scrambling because if you're scrambling, you don't have time to even set think up about your a camera. good shot. You're just uh, trying to get any shot. I, I've known, you know, plenty of toasts that I've shot is like I have my camera set up, looks perfect, and then everyone sat down, it looks good, and then I move away for one second, I come back, and someone shifted their chair over just like it could be like five inches, mm-hmm. and now they're in my shot. Yeah, I think you're talking about like that's the next level, right? Which is if you're ready early enough, like there have been plenty of times, say I'm shooting that setup, like you're talking about where the two people are sitting in front of the bride and groom's face. Mm-hmm. I might tell that person like, hey guys, during the toast, would you mind scooting here? And then they'll say like, oh, is this good? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's yep. perfect. Like <clears throat> I'm spending that time where other people would be going to the bathroom, yep. getting ready to make sure. And then like I'm saying to the person, giving, I will have a conversation with the people giving the toast. Say, hey, are you guys planning on moving around? I don't tell them do this. I, yeah. I don't really love that when people are like do this. Yeah, it's like do whatever you want, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. You and then they'll me. say because what they'll usually say is, well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And I'll say I would want you to just stand right by that mic stand and not move. Yeah. That'd be great for me. Thank you. Ninety percent of the time, that works like a charm. Yep. Like, I think to to make to shoot better is a it's a mix of anticipation and also pivoting. Mm-hmm. It's like. What are they going to do? Like, this is a big thing for me. Shooting recessionals, right? On my gimbal. And I'm walking back. And I'm not matching the groom's feet. Mm-hmm. I want to walk the same pace they are. So I don't have to do that thing where I way past them. Stop. Like, or they like stopping. Like, and I'm just going back and forth. And it's just not like, I'm not paying attention to what's going on. Mm. And I'm not pivoting to what's going on, but I've given myself like a pre-talk in my head. I, I would do it every time I go like, okay, just pay attention to how they're walking. Mm-hmm. Don't go too fast. Don't bump into the photographer. Mm-hmm. Don't like, don't do anything that's going to make me have to recompose my gimbal yeah. in that shot. And I think like thinking about what could happen with a toast or any kind of moment you're going to be capturing. That's really important. Like what will I do if this person walks around the dance floor? Mm-hmm. So many times I see people like, all right, set it up all great. But then they walked around the dance floor. Okay, if you weren't 100% positive that they were going to stay exactly where you put them, why did you set your lights beam so narrow? 
Mm-hmm. Why didn't you flood your light? Yep. Why don't you set up your tripod head so that you can move it? Why mm-hmm. do you have it all locked down? Like you need to make sure that whatever is going to happen in front of your camera, that you have anticipated the things that could happen. And I think a lot of people, that's really hard for people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think having a good game plan is, is key. Um, but then also being able to fall back on your plan B, like this is the thing, like usually plan B to me, plan B is a gimbal. Like I have, yeah. let's talk about a dance, right? You set up, like you said, I set up perfectly. I have my cameras on one side. I have my lights on the other side. So I'm shooting shadow side. Looks great. Everything is awesome. I have these different camera angles. I'm not doing crossfire. My audio sounds great. Everything is rolling. Um, but then all of a sudden they're standing up and they're even like dancing off the dance floor for some reason. They're dancing on. <laughs> or the worst the- is when they're doing a like a special father daughter dance yeah. where they just turn around and face the audience and look at them the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. have your camera just on their backs. Whatever it may be, it happens. Like I've had to happen before. Exactly like I said, everything is lit. I have the whole dance floor lit in a way that no matter where they are on the dance floor, they'll be lit well. But then it's like a dance with grandma and the groom is like walks over to her so she doesn't have to walk as far. We're going to dance like, right next to this chair. People, yeah. Oh, we're going to dance just in the middle of the tables. Like, and you're like, you can't predict that. People are just like, they're, they're not predictable. Like you can predict probably 90% of cases. In that case, I would grab my gimbal and I'm over there. And then hopefully my assistant is bringing a camera over, scurrying, but I'm able well, to cover it. Well, that's why exactly every time something starts, I'm always holding my gimbal. Yeah, yeah. Because I never know what's going to happen. It doesn't mean that I'm swooping around the dance floor right. the whole time. But I would also say with a gimbal, too many of you guys are treating the gimbal like an A camera. Like you're just, you only record your toasts. You only record your first dances, parent dances, whatever, only with the gimbal. And it's moving around. It's jittery. It's like, you know, it's not professional. Yeah, it looks looking. like crap. It looks like garbage. Uh, I would say the gimbal is the backup for those and maybe a swoop shot here and there to, to add to those. To me, the swoop shot is cameras. B-roll, by the way. The swoop shot is B-roll. It's not A-roll. Like yeah, To me, the swoop shot is like the hero shot that I use in the highlight film mm-hmm. that I don't really care if I don't get it. No. Like there are plenty of times where I don't get those that shot because yep. it's not appropriate or I don't have time. Yep. Cuz some crazy thing happens and I have to be locked down. Right. Right. You know, most of the weddings I shoot, I'm the only shooter. Mm-hmm. So I'm like and it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't have any issue with it. And I will say this too. Um in terms of coverage, um talking through your transitions mm-hmm. is really important. Like I have a big discussion with anyone who's second shooting with me about when, what are the major transitions of a ceremony? It's like the, like the processional is this crazy thing, right? It's like, oh, there's people walking down. There's this other, then the bride walks down, then everyone stands. So the conditions change like three times during that part. Then they have a handoff. You could have a time in, during a processional where all your cameras are set up and every single one of them is covered mm-hmm. because everyone is standing. Good luck finding a tripod that will go over everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and like, I don't want to be the guy who sets it up that high either. You look like an idiot. Yeah. Like, what do I shot. do when I have, like, what's my plan? Mm-hmm. When everyone stands up and I have no coverage, mm-hmm. how do I shoot that handoff? We, we had a- uh, What's one... your plan when no one tells them to sit down? Right, 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 right. During the ceremony. Yep. Uh, we had one of our guys this summer, uh, unannounced- the groom got up and is like, hey, I'm going to play a three-song set. 
and he like grabs the band's guitar or something and he just starts riffing <laughs> and he's like hey i'm just gonna play music and then the groom afterwards was like hey i want my three songs edited together as a separate video and we we're like oh my god i hope he covered that well like we don't have a way that we ever cover that and especially everyone is standing near on the dance floor so it's not like you can get a wide shot on a tripod because people are just swarming it so it's like how do you do that well like, even another moment that i think this you should know better about this yeah experienced person would ask this question and find this out but i find a lot of inexperienced people first dance right they have introduced the wedding party luckily most people are only introducing the bride and groom now mm. which is yeah. great yeah that's but, great but a lot of people this is like the you part don't want to see people use the bouquet as the oh, football anymore freaking hate it dude who I'm, do you cover do you cover the thrower or the catcher honestly of the, of the i'm not gonna lie i don't care about covering <laughs> I have never had – well, maybe once I've had people be like, can you send us the whole introduction I do of cover it, but if it sucks, I'll tell them you should not do that sucky thing because yeah. it's really hard to cover, and I don't care. If I don't have to put it in my film, I'm happy. Yes. That being said, what does happen is an experienced person would find this out. An experienced person finds it out the hard way. They come in, and everyone starts circling the dance floor, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see the person going, chick, 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 and going yeah. around. And eventually, they're right in front of your camera. Yes, yes. And, like, I am going to tell, like, there are times I'll even go outside, tell the wedding party, hey, I heard you guys are circling the dance floor. If you're in front of my camera, could you not be, please? Or I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm letting them know, like, hey, I need to record this first dance. So I'm going to ask you to please, oh, what, like, and if that person gives me attitude, I'm just going to say to them, excuse me, like, yeah. I am not going to let them stand in front of my camera. Yeah. And I'm going to be ready for them to stand in front of my camera. And I'm going to expect that no matter what I say, they're still going to stand in front of my camera. Yep. That's up to you. The other thing I'm going to do is say, gimbal person, whether it be me or whoever it is, you need to be ahead of the crowd stand in front of someone so that in case they stand in front of my a and b cam i have time to adjust it yeah like that is what we mean by better coverage yep considering what is about to happen ahead of time having a plan for a b and c well this is like the absolute crap scenario this is the best case scenario and then adjusting before you lose any of that gold mm -hmm. i th this is the thing i think inexperienced people also don't do with events the other day I was at a wedding and we had 30 minutes to do family portraits, a room clear, stunning details, um, cocktail hour, and a portrait session. Mm -hmm. And my second shooter, I was like, do this, do this, do this. And he's like, you're just giving me a lot of instructions. I'm just like, I'm like, that's because that's what's happening. We have to cover all this. We have to get, this is 30 minutes and I'm going to use every one of these shots mm -hmm. and I have to get them. And I'm going, going, going. Like I, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I got to do ten minutes, and I have a game plan. I'm gonna do five minutes with the family. Go inside, do this, blah blah blah. And I'm bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. And by the time I get to the set, like, they're done. There's nothing to capture for thirty minutes. I'm kind of standing around doing nothing. But I got all this important stuff, and I had to get it, and I covered it exactly how it had to be covered. Some people go, well, I chose not to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why? Why don't you just use your time better? You yeah. Like, you should have walked a lot faster, ran, shot like a madman for 30 minutes instead of like, doo, 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 doo. and it's like, 
what are you doing? Yeah. I, I think what you're saying and, and how this applies to a lot of people is just like being on the same page with your second shooter or assistant is huge here. Planning and photographer too. Planning and photographer too. The the whole team has to be on the same page. Um, it, it's it's very important. Uh, I can't tell you how many people are just like let those things kind of like happen and then they just react to it. Um, I think having a good game plan is key. Having your backups and then just having good communication is huge. Like something happens, you have to know how your second shooter is going to react so that you, they are covering or you're covering while they're adjusting. Right. Mm -hmm. And like knowing this is where the shooting comes in is like, not only do I know where I need to be or how long I need to be there, yep. but I know exactly how I'm going to shoot that room before I go in. Mm -hmm. So I, cause I know I have five minutes to shoot this beautiful ballroom. I'm going to do two push-ins. I'm going to do some stuff around the florals and then I'm going to do some close-up and I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I got all the shots I can get. I got to go. Yep. This, this photographer's going to leave. And I think ultimately event coverage is a lot about, we are the ones riding the wave. Filmmakers, we're riding a tsunami. Like you're not making the waves, you're riding the waves. And so do you want to get wiped out or do you want to like, make it to the shore dry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of it is. And thrive. Like like what Ray said in that comment was just like, this is what, essentially what Ray said, and that's this is what I took from him, is I've made a career of doing this and making this my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. I think about Ray's footage and I think about how good his events are, how good his event coverage is. Yes. Like the basics. He just covers his basics so well. I don't think of Ray as someone who's like, Look at these amazing portrait sessions he shot. Um, he does those really well. When I think about Ray, he's so solid when it comes to just covering his events. And then also, we're talking about shooting better to make more money. Ray shoots more of those events and sells the crap out of those event edits. Yeah, you want to make so, more money? Get good content without bugging people. Sure. That's what it is. Sure. It's like That is what planners and couples, most couples want. And the best way to do that is to just cover the freaking event that they're already doing perfectly and yep. not ask them to do a million extra things. Well, and, and he his events are covered so well, he'll, he'll send people an example. Here's what a ceremony of mine looks like. They'll be like, wow, that looks great. I, we definitely want that. Like Some people might want that, whether it looks like crap or whether it looks good, whatever. Maybe they don't care. But it, when it looks really good and you cover it really well... Um, it's just going to sell itself that much more. Well, you can so, use it in your film. You can use it in your film, but you can also sell it as a separate a la carte item. Yeah. Kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, so there's it, there's a lot you can do with it. Do a good job and you can get more. Yep. So this is kind of um, how we want to close, uh, I think, this podcast is just talking about planners and how planners kind of come on board and, and thwart this system a little bit, right? Uh, because if you've worked in weddings for any amount of time, you know... Once you get to a certain price point, there's this threshold, the planner threshold, where you're not going much farther. You're not going to charge ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty thousand dollars for a wedding film unless you're working with a planner, right? So, how do you feel like the planner threshold comes into play in terms of charging couples more money? You know, I think maybe the question is how does a planner affect what you could shoot too? right? Shooting better. And I think because if you shoot more and you shoot better, you shoot this amazing wedding film, you have the potential of not being able to charge more because you're not getting the clientele that this planner. Yeah. It's like a chicken gatekeeper. and egg thing, I think, because right. it's like planner weddings look better. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, they do. Um, 
I think we have enough experience to say that definitively. That planner weddings look better. There's usually more time put into the decor. Yep. Everything. Right. And so the schedule is tighter. Yeah. If you don't have a planner, um, you know, are you able to shoot as well? That's the question. And if you want to work with planners, you know, how do you, is it chicken and egg? Is it good footage proceeds getting these relationships or relationships precede the good footage? I, I, don't, I guess I don't totally know the answer to that too, but I know that like, if you want to maximize and make more money, you need to be considering how do I work with wedding planners? Um, and, I, and I know that if you want to shoot better, you need to consider I, how do I work with wedding planners? Yeah. Um, and I do think it starts with wherever you are, shoot it as well as you can. Mm-hmm. Planners are not. You know, and I think if you aren't working with planners, can you shoot as if you are? Mm-hmm. And so, like, planner weddings, you got to show that planner porn. You got, like, I'm telling you guys, like, some planners, like, are, are really focused on, like, I'm going to give my client who they want. But trust me, a lot of planners <laughs> are like, I want to work with someone that's going to help me promote my business. Mm-hmm. Right. And not be super annoying to work with. Yeah, not be annoying to work with. So if you don't know how to shoot rooms and table details and the things that a planner's involved with, um, good luck working with those people. Not to say that they always look at it, but in general, I think it's more important to them how you are to work with on the day of. But I would say a skill you want to work at if you're not in that place is Shoot as if you're working with the planner. How do I show this person's dress and, and invitations and shoot that kind of details? How do I show tables and, and show a room off and show a location off in a really nice way? I think there's things you can do that will kind of signal to a planner like, oh, if I work with this person, they're going to do a great job for me and the couple, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Like I, I, I find that to be challenging, right? Because a lot of times I don't think planners really look at our work. Yep. You know, but then sometimes they do. Like there are mm-hmm. times where the planner's like, oh, your work is so much better than X person or I like working with you or, hey, can I have that coverage from that one thing? I want to do a reel. Yep. So it's like they look at it when they want to look at it. Yep. Yeah, I think the question for a lot of people is, is my work um, good enough to be able to present to a planner or am I just not even networking enough to be able to work with planners. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like the, those, are, those are probably the two places that most filmmakers find themselves. Like, why can I not charge more money when my films are pretty good? Well, it's probably because you're not marketing enough to Yeah, Yeah, planners. That, that's probably what it is. But then also, some people just aren't good enough to be in front of planners yet. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about it all the time. Like, you don't want to blow your shot, right? Like, if you aren't... Yeah, you have one chance. If you're not good enough and, and you know... Um, some planner looks at your work, they're not going to give you a second shot. They're just going to be like, yeah, they're just not that good. And I so- think if I was to say you should be a good shooter before you try to be really good at networking. Sure. And I think networking is more important to maximizing your profits. Like you can be the best shooter in the world, but if you aren't good at networking, it's going to cap you a really mm-hmm. low price point. Yep. That being said, so you like, cause the best shooter, the best, highest earners in the world aren't necessarily the best shooters, but they've crossed a threshold. Mm-hmm. They're very good at shooting, editing, capturing events. Yep. They're not inferior. Yep. They're good, solid, probably actually great relative to a bad shooter. Mm-hmm. So being a really good shooter and creating a really great film, do that first. 
make sure you focus on that because as much as I say like couples don't care about your film, planners don't care about your film, I kind of think that's kind of true in the sense they you know it needs to be good but doesn't need to be the best thing in the world. There are other factors, but it has to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And if you get in front of a planner and say, "I would love to work with you," and you go to a networking event, you meet these people. Oh, they're so nice, and they go to your Instagram, and then they're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah that's bad that doesn't look good that doesn't sound good that doesn't feel good like if you are early in your career really focus on making sure that you're good mm-hmm. shoot good stuff and you will make more money like i do think shooting well and editing well and creating a great film as much as we kind of like talk about it's not the most important thing i do think for a long time in your career it is the most important thing Mm-hmm. until you get to that point where you're ready to like go into the top of your local market. I think shooting well is the most important thing that you can do to improve your business. And when you are like very confident, like I'm the best shooter and the best editor in my price point in my market, then I think networking and sales, they start to become the most important thing. And I think we kind of bypass that and assume a lot of people are great shooters and great editors. You can't, you can't fake it. No, you can't fake good shooting. There's a reason why like, I don't know, like NST films or some of the even more nefarious ones, like, I don't know, La Petite Four or Copper Stallion or who's the one we were dealing with locally? Oh, uh, yours true. Yours, yours truly, truly media. If you're listening to this, we you're, don't like you. You're douchebags, man. But we, We're re-editing one of your films right now. Called yeah. you out, man. We're re-editing one of your films that your team provided to a client. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a reason why those films like cause issues yeah. after the client gets them. Because right. they're not good. Right. And the client doesn't know that. And it's like, so shooting matters a lot. And, and like, if you're, I always see people like, they get a film and they're like, oh, a couple maybe, they return my film. They're just not happy. Mm-hmm. And like, they're just so, they're so demanding. And I'm like, quite literally go watch the film and I'm like, this film sucks. Like the fact that you don't know that your film sucks, the couple does and I do, like make a good film. Like, you know, obviously everyone has hell couples, but like most of the time, if you're getting a lot of bad feedback from people, the problem is you. Yeah. And if you need help learning how to make a better wedding film, submit to WFS Live, our weekly film critique session every yes. Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern like Standard Time. Little... Nice little transition. Yeah. As we wrap this shit up, uh, I'm going to Ireland tonight, so I'm in a hurry, dude. Yeah, get out of here. Um, Thank you guys for uh, listening to another episode of the Wedding Film School Show. As usual, subscribe. We have our YouTube channel just dedicated to the Wedding Film School Show, in addition to Wedding Film School, the channel. Old school Wedding Film School. Where we do a lot of our uh, normal kind of YouTube content. We just did a behind the scenes that was released last week. It's really, uh, I think it's really great. Clearly, we're biased, but um, I think it's... I actually think it's one of the best ones ever made. In possibly, the industry? possibly. Pretty I, good. I think it's pretty good. Um, and you know, I honestly, I think people learn a lot from those behind the scenes. Like, I, I love putting them out there. There are a lot of work. Jason's been working on it for since February, probably, uh, to be able to put Off it out. Off and on. Off and on. I would say when the motivation came. Uh, we do have another one that's probably going to be released um, pretty shortly. As not a shortly, but soon-ish, um, as well. But um. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for for listening to another episode of the Wedding Film School Show. And we will see you right here again next week.